Welcome to the We Go There podcast. I'm Lexi. And I'm Nikki. And our favorite conversations are when someone starts by saying, this might be TMI, but... Exactly. We go there. Because no topic should be too taboo, especially when it comes to women's health. We ask the questions you may be too afraid to ask and interview the experts to get the answers you need. So we're doing this completely unfiltered. 100%. Okay, let's go there. So Kate Roddy is a friend of mine. She is an amazing pelvic health physiotherapist. She's actually been practicing for 15 years and she created an incredible product called the Kegel Release Curve that I know Lexi and I both used in preparation for our births. Um, She really doesn't mince words, which is another reason I love her. She has so much to say on the topic. She's a true expert in her field. So we're going to go there with Kate. Let's do this. Let's do this. Hi, Kate. Hi, lovely ladies. Thank you so much for having me and one of my favorite topics to discuss. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm happy to be here. So let's, I mean, as you pun intended, let's dive right in. Exactly. I think we should just start a bit, start with you and your 11 pound babies. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, they went there. That's what happened. Um, Look, yeah, I do what I do because um, my kids are only six and four years old. And even that short amount of time ago, uh, what I knew about birth, uh, rehab, um, perineal care, all of those things didn't really exist. It did, but it lived on the fringes. And so pelvic physio has really, I mean, we're trending. We're we're so trendy right now. So um, I basically... I do what I do because of the experience I had, which is really, you know, the the storyline. <laughs> so I had an 11 pound baby. And um, basically, I remember the OBGYN who was on that day, and she was about a four foot 11 woman. And she um, she was very tiny and she kept popping in. Like she was like the head honcho on, on the ward that day. And she kept popping in. She kept telling me, Oh, come on, dear, you can push harder. And I kind of was like, Oh my God, this is so, um, like I am not motivated by this woman coming in telling me I could do better. And so when I finally, after three hours of pushing and a vacuum sucked him out of me, um, I remember him being held up and it was not like, oh my God, there's my son. It was, holy shit, he's effing massive. And <laughs> during like the and, Lion King Simba movement, right? Oh, like, it it Lion was, King? but it was a it was a full-grown lion that they held. <laughs> and so I remember her coming back in and 17 different staff members that day came in to see the big baby. I heard there's a big baby in the room. Like I was a circus, like come and see the show. And I remember that woman coming back in and she still works there because I've seen her picture on the Instagram feed. (laughs) And I remember being like, my son is bigger than you are. (laughs) You try to have birthed him. So, I mean, leading up to my birth, I didn't do perineal massage. I didn't do any prep. I like this whole, you know, push prep thing that Nikki does. I didn't do that. Yeah. Um, so I've learned a lot since. And, you know, I'm sort of here to save the vaginas before and after birth now because, you know, like we got to teach everyone who comes after us the way. Yeah. So we need a t shirt that says that. 
seriously <laughs> on it. Toronto, yeah. Toronto t-shirt companies approach us. <laughs> <laughs> it seriously do. And I love that you're, you know, this is all trending because I, even when I had Piper, like I was not the norm amongst my friends that I went to pelvic floor, th- did like pelvic floor physio and, um, and perineum massage, like all of those things. Like I was kind of like the, the Kegel release curve, those types of things. It was like, I was kind of the odd one out. <laughs> um, and now thankfully more and more women are realizing and recognizing the importance of it, um, and how it can benefit you both leading up to, but then after and the recovery piece, which I guess really leads into that like six week post exciting time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, let's, can we just talk about this whole thing? And I think this is like, obviously we're going to talk about how we can prepare the pelvic floor. I'd like you to get into that, but let's go there right now because this actually kind of infuriates me. This yeah. idea that, and, and I think a lot of us have experienced it where you go to your, your doctor, your OB, whoever, and you're quote unquote cleared. And there is no proper assessment of your pelvic health, of your, of your core strength, of your diastasis. And it's like, let's start talking to you about contraception because yes. it's six weeks post and it's time for you to hit the sack again. And the advice that I got was just use lube and be on top. No way. Yep. Those are that's the two pieces of advice. Yep. And I didn't pat even on get back the on and top. off you go. Oh yeah. Because you can control. Oh, that was a great tip because you can control it better that way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to let's talk about this six-week mark, right? Because we get a lot of women, and I know the DMs that slide into Nikki's account <laughs> is the six-week mark. And yeah. can we have sex before that time? And Basically, the six week is sort of the physiological timeline with which pretty much anything in the body needs to fully heal, right? So it's not dead set six weeks on the date and you are good, right? It's not the magic healing time. It's just a pretty good indicator that we're no longer concerned about a risk of infection, right? You've had birth, your uterus is this internal healing wound, and we don't want to insert anything. So no tampons, no penises, no toys, nothing. And it's because we don't want to introduce any risk of infection to that healing uterus. So this six-week cleared mark is just like, you're no longer at risk of infection. That does not mean you're actually ready Right. And this is the same thing is that when I treat knee um, replacements, because I also do sports. So like knee replacements should not go into like a lake or a body of water, go swimming for six weeks. Because again, not because they can't, but because there's a risk of infection. Right. Right. But then that doesn't mean that at six weeks they should run. Right. We don't like I would never have any of my post-surgical lower limb candidates running at six weeks. We don't do that. So that's where preparation, that's where rehabilitation comes in. And that's something that we can start before six weeks, but we're just not going all the way until possibly six weeks. And I have a lot of friends who've had babies recently. So in COVID, I did obviously as well. And I know Nikki, but um, I had a midwife who then checked me uh, post and all that, but I have a lot of friends who haven't even had a six week appointment. Like they don't get brought in for that appointment any longer. So they're just like on the phone or a video call being told like, you're good. Um, 
Like, yeah. I'm just laughing yet also crying over here listening right? to Right? Yeah. And I'm like, wait, what do you yeah. mean you didn't go in for an appointment? They're like, yeah, they just said, like, it's been six weeks. Like, yeah, you're good. Like, you can have sex. Probably gave the advice of lube and on top um, and send them on their way. Yeah. Get back on the right. horse there. Um, yep. And then, and then we, and we even unfortunately have the doctors who say, have a glass of wine, right? <laughs> right? Right. We know that those DMs come in and go, my doctor said this. And you're just like, oh, wow. They went the one further and how horrible they are. Don't be so frigid. Loosen up ladies. Right. It's yeah. I think it's so, so there's the um, physical aspects of it. So I guess maybe some tips would be like, how, what are the signs then that you are ready from the physical part? And then obviously it's getting the whole mental piece of it, but physically. Right. Right. So yeah. And usually when I give my sort of like sex after baby sort of rehabilitation talk, I do make the small disclaimer about there are a lot of factors, right? So hormonal, libido, mm-hmm. uh, if you're breastfeeding, uh, the lubrication factor, right? There are many factors, but if I'm, I'm a physical therapist, so I'm going to deal with the physical um, rehabilitation component to do with your perineum or the entrance of your vagina. And so we developed a five-step protocol to help women with this so that it's actual criteria, right? You don't get to play the third level before you pass the first, right? So it is like a step-by-step. And then that way, if they're like, well, how long should this take? It really is more, well, did you pass level one? Right. No, well, then you're still there, unfortunately. But Again, the idea is that we're trying to get women to level five so that they're having pleasurable sex. The one study with like really looked at, I think it was like a a couple thousand women, 86% reported that they had painful sex after birth. And I mean, I think the other 14% are lying. (laughs) So for sure. Right. They didn't understand understand the question. (laughs) Yeah. They skimmed through that one. Yeah. So 86% is also the reason why I feel impassioned to talk about this because it's not 20 or 30. It's Mm freaking everyone, right? It's all of us women who are going into this sort of blind and and there is a path forward to make sure that it feels a little bit better. So we'll talk about, are we, are we at the five steps? Should we do yeah, it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So first step is you're going to take a mirror and take a look at your vulva. I usually ah. advise, ah, I know we're still living in 1991 with Charlotte and sex in the city being told that. And we're like, oh my God, so shocking. How could I do this? Okay. You're so dirty. Look at your (laughs) vagina. Get in there. Get in there. Yep. But that's really, I mean, look, if I still had a patient with like a wound from knee surgery and it was still like not looking so great, I would be like, should you run on this? No. So first step is take a look. And I usually tell women to do that kind of halfway through their pregnancy. So they have a baseline. Some women don't even know what it looks like before birth. So how do you know what it should look like after? So take a look, expect that you sort of inspect your folds, maybe move stuff around, move labias around, see what that looks like, see what the entrance looks like. So that after birth, you're looking for redness, you're looking for puffiness, you're looking for um, is if there was a tear or an episiotomy, what does that wound still look like? Um, If it's visibly red still with like even like, um, like scab, right? 
you're probably not wanting anything to touch that yet. Totally. Okay. So it's just a great inspection and it's, it's a really easy step to clear. And most women can plus level one pretty safely at that six week mark. Okay. Okay. There you go. Get in there. Step one. Yeah. Step one, get the compact out. Okay. (laughs) Step two is light touch. Okay. You're going to take, you, you remember wiping yourself, right? You go pee and what did it like? You do the, the dab. Right, you like oh postpartum, yeah, yeah, Yeah. bottles, bottles all the way. Oh, peri bottles, bottles. yeah, exactly. So most of us are just spraying, letting it air dry because the thought of even toilet paper touching our perineums (laughs) is like scarring. Let alone the one-eyed snake. I don't. Jesus. So, so hopefully at this point you're at least using toilet paper and patting yourself dry, but. Take the tip of your fingertip. You're going to run down either part of your labias, both majora, menorah, and then just around the base of the entrance, right? So when I talk about perineum, I mean the area that runs at the sort of the bottom half between vaginal entrance and rectal entrance, okay? That's what's known as the perineum. And so we're just touching that area because that's where they insert. Right. So again, and also another disclaimer, when we're talking about sex, we are talking about P and V or, you know, penis and vagina. And we do know that there are many different forms that you can share intimacy, but Mm -hmm. just specifically, we're talking about penetrative intercourse here. So just touch that area. What does that feel like? If your own fingertip is causing pain, good chance sex is not going to be pleasurable. No. Okay. No, it's, it, that's, that's a no brainer for most of us. Um, and then really if one side is a little bit more just dis- like, maybe that's where the, the scar is. So you want to touch this area. And the reason is, is our brains are very protective. They will guard more than anything. So if that area is feeling a little bit sensitive, we want to desensitize that area. Okay. Any questions? Step one or two? Nope. Very clear. Very clear. Very good. And, and I wish All everyone right. could see the hand motions that go with your descriptions because yeah, they me are too. excellent. <laughs> Golden. Well, um, we do. The Kegel Release Curve does have instructional videos, I think, coming out next week. So they will Amazing. be able to see this. And you have a stuffed animal vulva, which I love. <laughs> what? No, I don't have a stuffed. Don't you have, have a, silicone. No, you have a, oh, you have a silicone Ooh. vulva. Uh, I have got silicone like, Sally. Oh, that's yeah, it's not real life. Silicone, Sally. So that's like sex. That's like super yeah. premium sex doll material. I like it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I hand the husband when I don't want to. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> More videos yeah. with sal- silicone Sally, please. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's external touch, right? So we're not even going internally yet. So step three is that internal sort of like touch and pull. So you might use just the hook of your thumb to mm-hmm. just insert past the entrance, right? And then you're just feeling around the clock face. So you sort of start around nine o'clock and you make your way around to about three o'clock. You're starting to introduce a little bit of pull, stretch, pressure to your perineum, right? It's not with the idea that you're trying to stretch as in prepare for the 11 pounder. You're just trying to prepare for the girth of your husband or partner, whoever, right? So it's very light. um, But again, if this is painful, if this is causing you to tense up, if you can feel your body, like your shoulders lifting, you're clenching your jaw just from this amount of pressure, 
again, you don't get clearance to pass. You need right. to spend some time with this type of touch on your perineum, right? Yeah, yeah that okay. makes a lot of sense. Um, step four then is sort of, so let's say you did have a tear, you did have an episiotomy and there is scar tissue. Scar tissue does take a little bit more time to heal. It also is going to be the most sensitive part of your perineum. And even when I see women six, eight months, even a year later, Sometimes they go, yeah, it's still sensitive right here. Mm -hmm. And that's me. I mean, people, we've cut it. Like you cut your arm, your hand, your foot. You know that it's sensitive for a while, but we put shoes over top or we, you know, there's constant touch to those areas of the body. Right. And so it desensitizes. So that's really what we need to do to that scar tissue. And so this is where I advise starting to use a little bit more pressure of perineal massage. Um, if you have a toy, if you have the Kegel release curve, you can now start inserting that and just using even a bit of a swivel technique where you're just going back and forth on that scar tissue. Because remember, penetrative intercourse has a certain element of friction to it. And so that tissue has to withstand that amount of friction. Right, 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 right. Right. So it's when those, when you've gone through those steps and you're no longer feeling pain, you're no longer feeling sort of this um, uh, apprehension, guarding, protection that you get to pass all the way to the fifth step, right? And so fifth step is like, again, it's a shocker. It's, uh, you know, very sex in the city, mind blow. But my fifth step is have your own orgasm. Nice. I like right? it. Here's to step no five. Yeah, cheers to step five. This is where by you yourself. actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah, by yourself. Right, right. make no one's note. Yeah, no one needs to know that you jumped ahead of the line, heaven forbid, <laughs> not sure why they're ahead of us. But, you know, it's such a good way when we have orgasms, orgasms are involuntary contractions of these pelvic floor muscles. It's a tremendous amount of blood flow. It's a great way to get the plumbing back going. And some women do report that they have pain after orgasm post-baby. And I think a lot of it does have to do with like our plumbing just didn't get that type of a workout. But penetrative intercourse and orgasm is a workout um, for your pelvic floor muscles. And so just giving them that almost like, you know, full-blown workout, um, that's really a good sign um, that you're ready. It's also a great way to increase your arousal, right? Mm -hmm. So if you enjoyed it, you had fun, that arousal sort of cycle starts to upregulate and you kind of go, oh yeah, I do remember liking this. Yeah. Right? Having instead of having the fear of we're really just doing it for them versus ourselves. And getting ourselves first, I think, is really important for our mindset and libido. 1000%. I actually was doing a little bit of, of reading on this and you know, I've done some posts about this on IG, but apparently orgasms can help increase collagen production when I was like, what? I know. So I would, all these powders right I'm putting in all the time. Like I don't need to do that. Is that <laughs> excuse me. Um, instead of in my coffee today, I'm just going to run upstairs and masturbate. <laughs> Collagen so another motivating reason purposes. why you need to go get yourself. I mean, in Charlotte, you had like the rabbit, right? In Sex on the City. So yeah. I think mm -hmm. vibrators have come a long way. And now, Lexi, you sell them. So yeah, we sell them you. now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I love, I'd never heard step five like that. Like I didn't, I didn't do that with Piper Clark. 
That's amazing. With your with yourself, you mean, not with your kids. Sorry. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. I mean, when I was <laughs> postpartum with Piper and Clark, let's be clear. But it, I, I think that, and it leads actually really well into like the mental piece of it, because I think that that, like you said, just feeling what after, you know, what everyone's been, like women have been through and the labor and all these things, and then at least feeling this pleasure again and reminding ourselves when hormones are wild and we all, well, I'm not going to speak for everyone. I definitely like did not feel like having sex again. Mm. Um, especially that first time in the mental part of it, that step five of just getting yourself aroused and like into that zone again is such a great piece of advice. Um, yeah. undercover, of course. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Or you can be totally open about it and be like, I'm doing it. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. I don't think not, any- you're not jumping the queue. Yeah, exactly. Me first. Um, that's amazing. I really love that. So, so let's talk about the mental piece of it. Cause I was just telling Nikki before this, I really didn't, um, when I had Piper, I really didn't expect, I hadn't even thought about it. No one had talked to me about the first time other than the pain piece. So I'd heard the first time after sex, it's so painful that like just clenching, getting through it, like all those awful things that clearly we now know shouldn't be the case. Um, I'd heard that. I had not heard the part about just the idea of feeling like, oh my gosh, like Nikki mentioned at the beginning, is this going to like, am I going to be like a gaping hole? Is this going to even feel good for my partner anymore? So oh, is bad. this why men leave women, their wives for younger women? Like, <laughs> oh, I know. the insecurity is huge. And it, huge. It, and it, I have heard, and, and men love you to speak to this, Kate, about something. And it makes me cringe. The husband stitch where like you're getting, oh yeah, your face right now. When you're getting stitched up and I had stitches where it's like, oh, can you just do a little extra one and make sure things are really good for my husband? Like, oh my God. Okay. Like this is, okay. You're shaking your head. I'm going to let you talk. Um, okay. So I did an IG live probably last year in the height of the pandemic to just address this. Right. And, uh, Nikki loves the phrase, but I mean, it's not uncommon is that we are, I think the patriarchy makes us think or, whatever it is that after birth, we're just flapping in the wind, right? Like it is, or like the gaping hole or the even worse that it's like throwing a hot dog down the hallway, right? Like these are horrific phrases, but we all heard them and we know, we know what they're basically implying. And to understand, like I have never had a patient out of a knee surgery, shoulder surgery, hip surgery, where that joint was just moving full range. And why is that? Is because as beautiful as birth is, it's still a trauma to the muscles and tissues that it sort of passes through. And same with any surgery, it's still a trauma. So what happens? Our brains go, oh my God, we are in healing mode. That was awful. How do we lock down this area? And the lockdown is the muscle tension and guarding that's happening around the joint or the tissues, whatever, to protect and guard, to allow healing so that no further damage can happen. And so what's happening down in our pelvic floor, and this is, you know, considering like no nerve damage, if nerve damage has happened, then we may have some decreased tone and there may be a couple other issues, but for the most part, that's a little, that's more rare. So the muscles are actually in like, they're on guard. They're like, 
holy shit, don't let anything else in. Something just came out. We don't want to do this again. And they're holding on for dear life. They are protecting your most intimate area. To also understand our pelvic floor is central nervous system controlled. So it plays on emotion, fear, anxiety, stress. If that's how we're going into that like pleasurable night, going, oh my gosh, those muscles are like, they're not going to receive, so to speak, so willingly because they're, they're, they're more like your soldiers at the gate, right? So where did this all come from? Like, let's talk about the patriarchy for a second. Cause I, I gets me all riled up that, so yeah. like I get these messages from women. I actually recently got a message from a woman saying, I am worried that it will never be the same. So I'm thinking of planning a C-section because I don't want to have to, I don't. And, and it wasn't about her, her. It was about her husband. She was worried that she wouldn't be able to please her husband postpartum if she gave birth vaginally. Wow. Yeah, the patriarchy. Um, So you know how there's a lot of people that are like, call it vagina, don't use any other terms. And for the most part, anatomically, I agree, we should call things what they're anatomically been named. But vagina is Latin for scabbard or sheath, which means sword holder. No. This is, look it up, ladies. The etymology of this word is sword holder. Okay. And I just, I, and you're kind of like, yeah, no shit. We've called it something different for like centuries because at the end of the day, it is so much more than sword holder. That is wild. And so this is where the sexual stigma of our vaginas is really, I think started is that if we only look at our vaginas as sexual items, then Unfortunately, sexuality, sexual function has Mm -hmm. some shame sometimes associated, depending on where in the world you've grown up sometimes and the education around it. But the pelvic floor has five other, or sorry, four other roles other than sex. And so if you look at it as a set of muscles that have a function in our body to help stabilize, support, uh, not pee our pants, and even a sump pump, which is like blood flow and lymphatic function to sort of like help clear fluid out, sex is like not that big of a factor. Mm -hmm. So I think that the patriarchy, yes, they've, they've done us, they've done us wrong. (laughs) Um, and I would like women to sort of be more empowered as to how their body works and, and not just have this sexual stigma associated with it. Um, a woman yesterday, and I tried to pull it up before this podcast and I thought I had saved it, but, uh, one pelvic physio account posted about pain during sex in Southern United States. And her main idea was just in the sort of Bible belt areas of so of, of the Southern United States, there's so much more sexual shame and so much more the concept of tolerating pain because that's really like, you got to suck it up. Like the wine and the lube is where I think some of that originates. And it was a very informative post and I'll try and find it because um, it was something that needs to be talked about so that women don't feel this shame and guilt or pain for that matter, right? Trying to serve and be submissive to partners. So 
it's it's just we definitely have some work to do. We have a lot of work to do. Um, God, and I will say, anyone listening to this, I'm, I'm recognizing that you might be feeling a little bit like, oh crap, it's over. You can, and and we will help you. Kate will help you <laughs> have really amazing sex after you give birth. Yeah. You know, it's possible. So this isn't meant to be, you know, a, a sort of scary conversation. It can absolutely be better. Um, there is a way through though, and and it does, it potentially takes some advocating for yourself and for what you need, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. And yeah, and I think also knowing, like you said, the 86% <laughs> experiencing pain and that pain is not what you should be experiencing. At that, at, at that first time, like the six week mark is, you know, a timeline that is based off of a lot of different, you know, I guess hoops that you have to go through in order to get to that, you're good to go type place. And I'm sure that then your body's physically ready to go, but then are you mentally ready for it and making sure that right. you're, I think like us being, like you said, our own advocate for saying like, okay, now I actually really do feel ready mentally, physically, all of that, and not the pressure to just do it because it's six weeks. Like, I think that that's just yeah. been such a stigma that, you know, your husbands are waiting six weeks or like, it's this timeline, right? That, and, yeah. and, and it's funny because before you have the baby, like, I don't know about you guys, but I was like all the sex because I need this baby out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden yeah. it's like, don't come near me. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is that we have to remember that it's a process, right? Because I mean, I, I look, I, I always refer back to the sports analogies because I think if we look at it in terms of like common injuries, if we, if we look at it that way, we're like, oh yeah, this is no different. But I don't have patients who sort of do no rehab for six weeks and then come to me at six weeks and go, I'm running a marathon this weekend. What needs to be done? Mm-hmm. And so at that, so it is a process and you may not feel like having sex. That's fine. But then there's that one night where they did order in your favorite meal. The kids went to bed early. You did have a glass of wine. And like you look at them that little bit different. You're like, oh, yeah, I could do this. I could do this tonight. But then you've done no prep. And then you go into it with no prep. You go in a bit blind. And then in the first sort of 40 seconds of that interaction, you're experiencing pain. So then what does that do to your sort of mental um, sort of like concept of what sex is now? Well, now it's painful and ah, oh, stop, no, there. And you feel so defeated. So that be feeling defeated, guess what that does to your arousal? Hmm. Wah, 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 right. right? It plummets. And then now we've also introduced fear, right? As humans, we pretty much avoid pain at all costs. Mm-hmm. And so now we're going to fear avoid. And the next time we go into it, we already think it's going to be painful because the first experience was. Wow. And that's when the guarding. So it is a process and take yourself through it, even if you don't feel like it, because that one night where they just look attractive again to you, you're going to thank yourself for going through the steps, right? Yeah. Or you say, you know what? Step five is an orgasm. Doesn't mean penetration. (laughs) So let's go there first. (laughs) Exactly. And I mean, using the Kegel release curve is it's, it's, or any sex toy, right? You can insert your own sex toy and see how you deal with that girth. I mean, 
it's 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 good to sort of try something different even if that's your own fingers that's fine i mean you have the cheapest tool available and that's one <laughs> two however many fingers they're there they're not doing much on a normal basis yeah i love it so true and i personally to be honest like if, if we're sharing i never had sex at 6 weeks postpartum i never felt ready ever i had pelvic physio at 6 weeks post and that was uncomfortable and i was like well we're not having sex yet i think if yeah. we waited closer to to almost 3 months and so i want yeah. to normalize that as well right yeah. and have so that conversation important. with your partner and hopefully you're not feeling pressure yes so some of us are still like not ready to poop at 6 weeks like that's still scary <laughs> True. So <laughs> very and that's very going, good that's point. Going in, yeah, it's going that's in the opposite podcast. direction. Yeah, that's exactly. another podcast. <laughs> Postpartum pooping. We could talk about that for an hour. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Um. So, do you want to just talk? Talk because we mentioned the Kegel release curve. So, why don't you tell everyone about the curve? And Nikki mentioned both her and I use this um, before Clark's birth uh, for myself and. <laughs> Hendrick for <laughs> Nikki, <laughs> our child, basically. Yes. Um, so the Kegel release curve is a pelvic floor wand. It's uh, it's sort of like the Tiffany's of pelvic floor wands because we casted it out of surgical grade stainless steel. So it's a product for life. It's made to last. It's um, beautifully sort of polished, like with a mirror finish. So, um, you know, there's a lot of stainless steel sex toys on the market. And we sort of, you know, had that in mind because it doesn't really matter what lube you use. Um, you know, there's certain lubes that are better for some sex toys. So we eliminated that issue. Um, the other things that are really great about it is the thermal effects. So you can warm it up. It really holds the heat nicely. And that can be really great for when you are trying to massage areas that, you know, you put heat on any part of the body and it can be a relaxing. Um, the other thing postpartum is that um, for some women, it still feels quite irritated um, or, or swollen. And so once you do have sort of that clearance of six weeks, again, for the risk of infection, you can cool the, the the curve off in cold water or in the fridge. Uh, we advise not to put it in the freezer because it would be like sticking your tongue to a metal pole in winter. And we all have that visual image. And so we don't do that. So we don't need your other lips sticking to it. Oh, so, no. um, <laughs> so, but anyways, you can cool it off and it can feel really quite soothing. Um, the other thing about sticking anything cold, um, if you've ever done heat or cold play is sticking something cold in anywhere usually causes you to contract against it, right? You think of the ice cube on the back of your neck, you usually bend your neck backwards. So when you stick something cold into your vaginal canal, you will reflexively contract. And sometimes that's awesome as a biofeedback tool to help women reconnect that circuitry between mind and pelvic floor, because now it reflexively is contracting on it, which can sometimes be a nice little stimulus for women to remember how to do their pelvic floor contractions. So, that's so smart. Yes. And it's dual ended and one's a little bigger and looks a little bit more ominous, but you got it's curved go so you can use it when you're pregnant which another thing yeah. i i love oh, is yeah. that right when you've got a massive belly it's kind of hard to reach down there and the fact that you yeah. designed it with a curve is yeah. one of the things yeah. i would say was really beneficial too yeah so, and so just to talk a little bit about like how we advise partners to help women with their perineal massage i know that it can be quite a bonding experience between partners and from a very physiological perspective 
I actually don't advise women to do this. And there is physiological reason for that. And it's because you will always know how much pressure Mm. you can tolerate, right? And so even with the best of intentions, if our partners have watched every video on how to do this, if they press that little bit too hard in doing your perineal massage when you are pregnant, it will cause a protective guarding response, right? This Mm. is our most responsive area because it's our most intimate area. And so even me, when I show women what perineal massage should feel like and the type of pressures, I mean, I would like to think that I'm a pretty skilled manual therapist, but if they're not ready for the amount of pressure, even I can talk them through it, all of a sudden now they're guarding, they're protecting, and Mm -hmm. then it becomes really counterintuitive. So that's also why I designed the curve is that it really allows women to be empowered to do this themselves, regardless of how they have to reach around this pregnant belly. Um, And, you know, I've seen the videos where people sort of talk about perineal massage. And I saw one the other day, um, it was by a midwife, and she was like, just stick your leg up on the tub and get in there. And I was like, they're nine months pregnant. (laughs) Balance is not their forte. They're in a bathroom and you want them to stick their leg up on the tub. Yeah. I was like the occupational therapists in the crowd are going nuts on the ergonomics (laughs) of this. Right. (laughs) So, and then you sort of see all these other videos where you see two fingers from either hand going in. And I'm like, my arms don't do that. Yeah. They can't reach like that. So yeah. again, cool in theory, but totally impractical mm-hmm. for the yeah. pregnant woman. So we needed to give women a little bit of extra reach, make it a little bit easier, give them the leverage that they can still get the stretch going. Um, and uh, we're going to save vaginas one at a time. 100%. And I think it is more approachable when you're using something versus just yourself or people to be like, okay, so this is the technique and I'm going to use that. I mean, the first time I whipped it out, Adam's like, oh, so what now? <laughs> and he's yeah. just like lying next to Like he'd be nice enough to like come out. I do it right before bed. I just have like in bed, like doing my perineum massage and he's just lying there like, I don't even know what to do with this girl, but I'm supportive. (laughs) I mean, look, no pun intended. There's a learning curve to the curve. And, and, but more importantly, what it is, is that we have not been taught how to explore that area, right? A lot of women are even surprised to know that it's muscles down there, right? So Mm -hmm. When I say explore, see what that feels like. We we often don't tell women to do perineal massage until about week 34, 35. Mm-hmm. But I have my women at least sticking a finger in and just seeing what pressure feels like. You're not trying to do it with the goal of stretching anything, but you're trying to explore does left side feel more tender than right side? And it doesn't need to mean a lot, um, but it starts to get women used to being in there (laughs) because my mom gave me a pad and that was my menstrual lesson, right? That was the most education I got. Um, and our, our parents didn't say, Hey, go down and stretch your vaginas. That wasn't a thing, (laughs) right? Hey, massage your vagina. And why don't we say that? Because it's sexualized, right? It would, it's like we would be doing it for sexual pleasure, which seems shameful, which again is nuts, but those muscles work. They need a massage. They need TLC, just like your neck and shoulders, just like your legs. So we're trying to normalize that it's a set of muscles and they need deserve the same attention as anywhere else. Yeah. The education is so important. And that's why both of you guys and all the work that you do is so important because 
it's, you know, I know that I would have likely, you know, had a different experience had I not had the knowledge and been able to do some of the things that you guys teach through what you do, um, had I not known and, and had I been, you know, not educated in those areas of my own body and what I should be doing to help myself get through this time that is like intense. Like you talk about marathons, like this is an incredible, like going through labor is, is a lot. Like we are miracle workers. I remember after I had Piper, I walked around the streets, like every woman I looked at that was like, you know, pushing a stroller, had a kid. I was like, yeah, girl, you are a boss. Cause (laughs) it's like, you look at women in a whole different light. And so I think that educational piece is so important. And it's why you guys are amazing for both, like what you do and try and like teach every day and empowering women to be more empowered about themselves. So thanks to you both for that. And this has been amazing. I learned so much. I I love it because I just get to come on here and ask questions that I know everyone else is thinking because I don't know anything about this stuff. And it's the best. I learned so much. So thank you, Kate, for coming on and being always your realist self. I think it's so refreshing for women because you're taking that you know, shame and stereotypes away from something that we as women should be really proud of. Um, so that's, that's awesome. We love you. you. Thank you so much for having me and, uh, going there and always a couple F bombs. Did we drop some? Cause I think that, you know, that's a part of prerequisite. Fuck yeah. yeah. Prereq. (laughs) (laughs) Just in case you didn't. (laughs) Yeah. Those fucking women with their strollers out walking. Good for them. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thanks so much. And oh, where can people find you? The Kegel Release Curve. Um, Shout it out. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, our website is Kegel Release Curve. um, And that'll probably go in the show notes, which is awesome. And then I do public physio and sports uh, physio in Toronto. I have two locations. One is in the east side of Toronto. And then one up is, is in Forest Hill. And it's in the Studio Legree buildings. So we also do some Pilates. So Love it. just taking care of the whole bod. So good. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at WeGoTherePodcast and check out WeGoTherePodcast.com for more info.